So let's take it up a notch in this week's episode of the Untapped Podcast, where I want to share with you how you can build your business with the power of webinars. Let's get past the mystique, let's get over the magic, and let's actually dig into what is working with webinars right now and the innovative ways in which people like yourself and I can use them to really grow our list, grow our audience, grow our sales, and have happy and amazing clients on board, as well as behind the scenes of how you grow a tech company from scratch. And if this is something you've been wanting to do, if having recurring revenue from software or technology has been on your list of things to invent and create, then this is also the episode for you. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this untapped podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, then this is the podcast for you. I really wanted to start bringing you more episodes where I interview founders and CEOs and entrepreneurs who are doing things a little differently and getting paid to be them in a variety of different ways. So I hope that so far on the Untapped podcast, you've learned a ton from all sorts of people around the world, making money by being them and really tapping into their potential. But today I have not had anybody on the show who has actually created a software company. And I don't know if you know this, but I started out way back in 2008 building a software company in Vancouver, Canada with my business partner at the time. I was responsible for all the marketing and getting the investor relations, but I had to deal with the coders and the programmers and the whole aspect of starting a tech company from scratch, which was so new to me and so incredibly like jumping in the deep end at that time. And I learned a ton. And ironically, I've kind of circled right back with now being with Josh, who is a programmer and runs a coding school and we want to create some software. So I really dug deep in this episode with Omar Zenholm, who is the co-founder and CEO of Webinar Ninja and the host of the popular podcast, The $100 MBA Show. Way more popular than this podcast, and it's awesome. You should check it out. They've had over a million webinar attendees to date, and Webinar Ninja has grown rapidly since its founding in 2014. Academy Ocean named it one of the fastest-growing SaaS companies of 2018, and The $100 MBA Show consistently ranks among the best business podcasts in over 30 countries with 100 million downloads. Whew! So, as I said, we go deep in this. I really get Omar to open up on what it's really like to build a technology company and also software that can help so many people to grow their business. And then, of course, we dive into webinars because I asked the question, are webinars dead? How can we make them more relevant? And you may have seen the rise and rise of webinars and you may have also seen more and more people finding it harder or more difficult to fill the seats on their webinars while others are just crushing it. So we get into some really innovative new ways that people are using webinars and some fantastic tricks and strategies for you to use them in a different way. 
I hope you enjoy. Omar, welcome to the Untapped Podcast. It is so good to have you here. Great to be here, Natalie. It's awesome to connect again. I know. It's been way too long. And as a podcaster yourself, I know that you are doing this all the time. Your interviews are incredible. Your podcast is amazing, but that's not really what we brought you here for today. First of all, I'd love for you to share how you tap into your potential and get paid to be you. I love this question because it makes you think, why are you doing what you do? And I think the best way I can answer this question is about a decade ago, I realized I love solving problems. I love fixing things. I love even little things like, oh, this thing's not working on my WordPress site and I fix it. Just like a high. And <laughs> I think that's how I tap into my potential, whether it's solving a problem through teaching or coaching through the podcast or solving a problem with a product like a software product like Webinar Ninja. But the idea that somebody has a pain, has a problem, and I can do something to help them to alleviate that pain, it's such an honor. It's such a great line of work, in my opinion. And that's why often I say to people that if you're going to become an entrepreneur, then you're in the problem-solving business. And you just get comfortable with having problems and challenges, whether in your own business or solving other people's problems in their business or whatever it is in their life. And I think that's really where I kind of get my motivation. It's like, how can I help other people by solving problems? Yeah, I love that. It's a very useful way to turn up in this world as well. And then the follow-up question to that would be, how have you gotten better at solving specific and unique problems? Because if you look at all the problems in the world, you could be going down a huge route, right? But you've, I think, done a very good job of narrowing in on the kind of people that you want to help and the types of problems that they're having that you want to solve. Do you want to share a little bit about that journey of where you've come from and the business you've built to Mm -hmm. where you are now? One story I would love to share is, it's really important to be conscious about what kind of business you're building and who you're serving. Sometimes early in entrepreneurship, you'll just start a business because there's an opportunity because it's like, oh, there's money there or people are willing to buy that. And I fell into that when I started out over 12 years ago, I had my own clothing line. It was called Zenum Designs. I used to custom tailor men's clothing. And I did it because it was a great opportunity because I used to get my clothes tailored because I'm a tall guy. It's hard to find dress shirts that fit me in terms of neck size and sleeve size and things like that. So I used to do that. And then my friends and family were like, hey, can you make me some custom shirts? Those look really cool. Mm. And that evolved into a business. And I kind of just fell into it because I saw an opportunity. But the problem is, is that if you are not a fan of that kind of genre, if you're not passionate about it, if you're not an advocate for that community, it's going to show itself. You're going to be exposed very soon. I realized one day... (laughs) that my customers were more passionate about my product and my business than I was. They were loving what I do more than I was willing to kind of care about. And in that moment, I realized, oh man, I didn't really consciously think about the business I'm building, who I'm serving. Am I a part of that community? I respect and love good fashion, but I wouldn't call myself like a fashion expert or somebody who's really passionate about it. I don't have a fashion magazine in my house. So (laughs) it goes to show you that like, hey, you got to think about who you're serving and you got to be a part of that community because you'll be tapped in. You'll be willing to try to add value to that community because you want that community to grow and have better resources, better value. So I think that sometimes it takes trial and error. Sometimes you have to go through some bumps, go through some losses, take your lumps along the way and learn, okay, maybe this is not for me. Let me see what is for me. And throughout my journey, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've launched things that flopped. I had podcasts that like stunk to high heaven and didn't do well at all. But the point here is, is that I love this quote from Ben Horowitz from the book of The Hard Thing About Hard Things. 
He says, sometimes you got to create a bad product to create a great one. And sometimes mm-hmm. in that process, you realize this is not what people want. This is not what I want. What is? Sometimes you have to work at a bad job to realize I don't want this. So you can figure out what you do want. And I think my answer is kind of a tough love one. It's like, you just have to allow yourself to go through the process and sometimes take a few failures along the way. Sometimes you will get some success and you will hit your stride and make it happen. And sometimes in that streak of winning, we just get into the habit of trying different things and forget what works. (laughs) And we put our foot off the gas of things that do work. So just be mindful of like when you are hitting your stride and things are working or you're something selling well or something is resonating with your audience to triple down on that and focus on that. And don't go into that habit of just like, oh, I want to try a whole bunch of other things. That's fine in the beginning. But once you strike gold, keep digging, keep going for it. Yeah. I love that because I think as entrepreneurs, and I'm guilty of this, I'm sure you are too, as you've just said, We love the bright, shiny new objects. We are creators. We are innovators. We do look for the new. We see new challenges. We see new problems we want to solve. And sometimes the best thing that we've got is the thing that's working right in front of us that other people are loving, as you said, and it works and it relates to our mission in life. And yet we kind of navigate away from it or we try and do these other things. Mm -hmm. And I'm all about simplifying my business right now. I think I used to have like 10 revenue streams and I loved all of that. But these days I'm much down to just a couple and really focusing in on those and how can I make them better. And I definitely know when I've drifted away from that and tried to put too many things on the agenda versus just coming back to what is working and how am I showing up Mm. and serving and helping. can be tough. It's where having a team and systems and a really clear mission help you to stay on track, but it doesn't mean we always do. So I really love that advice that you've given. So how have you stayed on track all these years with, let's talk about your amazing software company, Webinar Ninja, and then we'll talk about webinars. But How long have you been running the business now and how does it feel? I just really love to know like the stickability, the longevity, Mm. all the, you've just gone through a new um, product version, huge update, all these things. You're constantly striving for improvement, but what's kept you going all this time with creating the software platform? You actually touched on it about doing what works, doing what kind of resonates with your audience. Sometimes that long term success that invest it's boring. Sometimes when you're doing <laughs> the right thing, it's not as exciting as the new thing, but that means you're on the right path. One of my favorite people to listen to in terms of like interviews on podcasts is actually Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld is mm. one of the wisest people I've ever heard because mm. he talks about how the road of success is a long one. It's a long-term investment where you're just chipping away every day, trying to refine your craft It's not one of those things where it's like an overnight success where people think that, oh, it's just like all fun and you're like red carpet and all that kind of stuff. And I like that kind of mentality. We started Webinar Ninja in April, 2014. So it's going to be seven years in April. And I have the gray hairs to show for it. It's not- (laughs) They're very distinguished though. Oh, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I remember when you had the longer curlier hair and now I'm thinking it looks very distinguished on you. Yeah. Yeah. I had to cut it short, pulling out my hair a few times throughout the journey. I'm not one to sugarcoat things. It's been a very challenging journey and I wouldn't want it any other way because it forces me to become a better entrepreneur, forces me to become a better person, to be patient, to understand how to coach my team and how to be able to find good talent and all that kind of stuff. If I was doing something a little less challenging, I think I wouldn't push myself as much as I had to. Sometimes I have to say that stress has gotten to the best of us. And Mm -hmm. I had to kind of keep it at bay and say, okay, now I got to take a break. I got to stop working at six o'clock or whatever it is, or let's take a three-day weekend to kind of 
relax. And I say we, because Nicole, who's my wife and my partner in business, we run this business together, which is an interesting dynamic. But at the same time, we have to have each other's backs along the journey. One of the best pieces of advice I got when I started Webinar Ninja was from Noah Kagan, who runs AppSumo and Sumo.com and all those. And he told me that if you're going to get into the software, just know there's no finish line. That was great advice because I came from the content world where I was selling courses, the $100 MBA, I was doing podcasting, and you create something you put out in the world, you're done with it. It's kind of like writing a book. You kind of put it out in the world, you did your best, and it's awesome. Maybe you'll do another edition later on, but with software, it's like as soon as we release a new update, that becomes the new bar. That becomes mm. the standard, right? It's nice in the beginning, all the users are happy, but then like, oh, this is amazing. But you know what? Can we have this, 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 and this? So it's just, it never ends. It reminds me of when I was a teacher, when I was an educator for 13 years in the high school and university level. It's a very thankless position to be in, a thankless job where there's a lot of needy people. A lot of you are just like, oh, we want this and this. Can you show me this? How about this? Can you help me with this? And you have to be, yeah, you have to have that service mentality. You have to Mm -hmm. be like, I'm in service of these people. Maybe one day I hire somebody else to do it or I hand it over somewhere else. But right now I have to be in service. So that's the reality of running a software company is that there's no finish line. You're constantly trying to raise your bar and see what you can do. And we're at the point right now in our software company where there's only so much you can get from user feedback where you have to start innovating and start realizing this is really the problem they want to have solved. Mm-hmm. It's hard for somebody to really imagine what they want. They really want this problem to be solved. How it's going to get solved, they may not have all the answers. That's your job as the creator and the innovator and to figure out like how can I do this in a way that maybe my competitors don't do it or in a way that serves my customers in a unique, valuable way. Yeah, definitely. I was just thinking about that fantastic book, Crossing the Chasm, and it's those early adopters who might give you some of that really great Mm. insight and gems, but most people are late adopters who'll pick up pieces of software or a platform or tool once it's been thoroughly used. Like, look at Zoom. Mm, (laughs) There's a really good example during lockdown, the amount of people that they had, like, I don't know what their increase in users was, but it was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how did these people not know about Zoom before? Because we've obviously been using it for years. So I agree, it must be really hard to find some of those real like early adopters with the vision and give you some of that insight, but so much of it has to come from you. I'm really curious before we head on, because I know there's so many benefits to having a software company like recurring revenue and the ability to scale, et cetera. And then there are big costs also for running it. So I'm curious to dive into that. But as you pointed out, you were a course creator, you were a content creator, you still are. And you know, when I think we met way back, maybe at World Domination Summit, you had a really successful podcast. You had your MBA course. It was really cool. You had an awesome community. You were anywhere and everywhere online. So what made you want to go into the software business? And I ask this because I think people who are listening might be thinking of adding this as something into their business portfolio. It's always made me curious. Like we have our Life Pilot product, which is a geeky spreadsheet and color coder, mm. but we have talked a lot about turning it into an app. And I also know just what it takes to build a software company from when I first started out in entrepreneurship was co-founding a tech company and it's a ton of work. So I'd love to know what made you make that switch and what mindset did you have to adopt to become um, the provider of software, not just a content mm-hmm. creator and teacher? That's a fantastic question. I don't think anybody asked me that question. One, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Nicole and I really were attracted to the product business because it didn't rely on our time. It didn't rely on our brand. 
didn't rely on me beyond social or just have this personal brand constantly be amplified on all channels. We also love the idea of building something bigger than ourselves. Like Webinar Ninja, when we built it, it was very minimal viable in the beginning. But today, like there is no way in the world we can build this product or serve these customers by ourselves. It requires me to say, I'm not an expert in these several areas. I need to build a team around me. I need to lead this team. I need to be able to find great talent and just being surrounded with talented people in whatever they do, whether they're engineers or designers or support agents or whatever it is, they're experts at that. And just to be able to be surrounded by some awesome people that you've brought together. It's almost like you put together a really awesome founder dinner or something like that. And you met all these amazing people. It's kind of a double-edged sword because hey, if I want to build something great, I got to cultivate a great group of people to be able to pull this off. Like an Ocean's Eleven movie or something like that, right? But the (laughs) point here is is that you're also dependent on them. Like there are times where like we need to change something, do something, and I can't do it. I have to rely on my team. I have to empower them. I have to give them that responsibility and have them see it through. That is something that you do miss from the content world. Like if there's a blog post I want to change, I can do that easily. If I want to change my product or if I wanted to launch a new course and I felt like doing it, I could just do it over a weekend if I wanted to do it. Like if I was just that insane, but you just can't do that with software. Like you're not on just your own time. And I think when you create a product, you use a type of leverage that you don't have with content, which is the leverage of time and leverage of manpower. Like you're just multiplying your power with every person you bring on the team. Obviously, software is a great leverage tool where you can be able to leverage types of actions and automations and all that kind of stuff. So that was really inspiring to us. We said, let's give it a try and uh, it worked out. So I'm glad. That's awesome. And I would also love to know, because you spoke to it, which I definitely feel the privilege and pain of sometimes is when your own personal brand, you're always the front of everything. You're always the face of everything. You always kind of have to be on. And For some people, they love that. And I know I do, but there's also times when you just want to be like hunkered away in the background working. And I imagine with software, as you said, it's not about you anymore. It's about serving the customer. How can we make this even more innovative, amazing, scale it, get better customers, all those good things, solve more problems. From a business model worked out for you, if you're able to kind of like share that vulnerability or I don't know how much you want to share, but compared to the content creator, teacher business model, What are the pros and cons that people need to consider? Well, definitely if you're a content creator, you're selling courses, coaching, things like that. I think that's a really great business model. If you want to have that flexibility, you want to have that independence, if you want to be able to work when you want, schedule things around your clock. I always think of Paul Jarvis. I think he takes three months off at the end of the year, just doesn't do any more content, doesn't do any blog posts. He just tells his list, hey, that's all the blog posts for the rest of the year. I'm done. And it's a nice liberating feeling. And I have a lot of respect for people that do that. And it works for a lifestyle business. And I really respect that. But it has limits. And I'm not just talking about financial limits. I'm not just talking about like, there's only a certain amount of money you can make. You can be very wealthy. We've seen it in our industry. But there's just have limits in terms of the impact you can make. There's limits to what you can do in terms of building an asset. Like the con is that it's very hard to sell a business like that. It's much easier to sell a business that's like a software business that has SOPs, that has procedures, that has a staff. They'll inherit when they buy it all that kind of stuff. So if you're trying to build an asset to sell later on, 
a product business, whether it's software or a physical product or an e-commerce store or whatever it is, much, much easier to sell. And you're going to get a multiple in terms of evaluation versus a personal brand. There's a reason why Tony Robbins is still doing Tony Robbins is because yeah. who's going to do it? <laughs> yeah, who can't clone Tony very well. Yeah. And yeah. I look at like Jim Rohn, you know, he passed away and you can't buy a Jim Rohn training anymore. Like that's it. Mm. His legacy died with him, which is very sad because I love his videos and he might not strike the right tone these days, being that he's from the 70s, but there's a lot of wisdom in his videos on YouTube, but there's no more company. And uh, I think that's an interesting thing to look at. Oh, that's just, sorry, giving me so much food for thought. Like, yeah, what's your legacy and how do you want to show up and have that mission that goes beyond you? So just really, really good for people to think and sit on here. And are there ways that you can, I would say, make your business more sellable, even if that's not the end goal, but really think about it as an asset that you've created that doesn't rely 100% on you. And I loved your differentiation between like a lifestyle business and then more of like, I would say even a systemized business, which is just really interesting for people to consider. And both have their merits and stuff. Like I've always Mm -hmm. loved lifestyle businesses because it gives you that flexibility and freedom and you can shut it off when you want, or you can put as much in as you want, but you're right. It doesn't give you that kind of solid team base that if you were to something would have happened to you, it's still going on without you. And those people are still being impacted and helped. Yeah. And I think Nicole and I have made that personal choice where it's Mm. like, we love the idea of a lifestyle business, maybe something down the line, we want to do that later. But right now, I know I can't work this hard in 10 years. So I'm going to put in the time now, build an asset, and then I can then pivot into a lifestyle business later on, or maybe I'll be semi-retired, or maybe I'll just retire. Yeah. How about that? Sell it for 10x or 20x and put it all into crypto and you're away. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about webinars then, because before we jumped on this call, I've always loved them. And back when I started my business in 2009, they were the thing that really launched it for me. Like that's how I sold my first course was doing a webinar to 30 people. And then I remember at the height of kind of my webinar greatness, when I was doing them regularly, I got a thousand people on the Freedom Plan webinar and it was Mm. hugely exciting. I love lives. I love the energy you get from webinars. I love the feedback, the the engagement. And then there's also been this sort of thing over the last few years that I've witnessed in a trend is so many more people holding live events and people's attention is frayed. It's people are easily distracted, engagement rates. I don't know. There's just a whole lot going. So I would love to hear from you some of the trends that you've seen in the seven years of running your business. And then I'd love to talk about what is working so people listening in can get a little bit more clued up about how they can change their tactic. Because I think I'm very much, I would say, from the old school of what used to work in webinars. And so I'm always trying up my game, but I know that there's probably some things that I'm just missing a trick on. I love this question because I have seen the industry evolve over the last seven years. And I've been involved in webinars for over a decade because that's how I got into it. I used to run a lot of webinars to sell our courses. I think what's been interesting for me is seeing our over 15,000 users utilize webinars in different ways and seeing what works and what doesn't in different industries, what has kind of teetered off. I feel like webinars at the start, a lot of people just used them for marketing. Like I'm going to run a live webinar. I'm going to fill the live webinar. I'm going to give them great value. And then I'm going to pitch my product. And then I'm going to fill my funnel in that way. I'll fill my course seats or my coaching, which still works. It's not totally useless, but it just hasn't worked that level because of the saturation. And then things started to pivot, I would say about three years ago, where people were starting to do automated webinars, where they just go automated and they just get leads through automation, try to sell through an automation type of webinar. And we've taken a big stance on 
ethical things that have happened in the industry with different software companies where they fake automated webinars, making they look live. And we have like some serious blog posts taking a stand against that because we believe the whole reason why you're running a webinar is to build trust with your audience. And if you're instantly breaking trust by just lying in the front end and say, hey, join my live webinar and it's not live, they're going to eventually find out somehow that this is not live when they can't interact with you and all that kind of stuff. So we're very upfront about that. And actually our software doesn't allow you to fake simulate a live because we just don't think that works as a strategy. So automation was big for a while. What I've found and what we've really discovered from our users, and this is why with our latest update with Webinar Ninja 6, we've really focused on this, is the idea of using the combination of both as a funnel to be able to lead into a customer and especially into a customer that attends live training. Okay. Mm. Live training has really taken another step. It was funny because I was reading the statistic from the open courses initiative, which they did a study under 15% of all people that buy an online course complete it. It's even less than 5% if it's a free course, which is staggering. And a lot of people are like, Oh, what's the big deal? They buy it. That's fine. No, that's a big deal because if they don't get the result, you don't get the word of mouth. You don't get the testimonial. You don't have any longevity in your business. Any coach, any training that actually survives is because they have great success stories. It was interesting because I was having breakfast in Nashville. I was at a conference having pancakes with Brian Harris, who -hmm. runs uh, Growth Tools. And he was just telling me in passing that he switched to live courses. And I was like, what do you mean live courses? He's like, oh, we just do a live course. It's $500 and they have to attend four sessions. It's over a month. It's two hour session each and no replay, no nothing. They have to attend live just like if they were in person. And I was just like, how's that working? It's like, it's going gangbusters. We have a 98% completion rate. We have incredible testimonials. We are booked up six months in advance because of the demand of the course, because of the word of mouth. I was like, did you think it was going to work in the beginning? It's like, no, I thought like it would be so hard because of time zones and things like that, but we make it work. We just offer different sessions at different times and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. So using some of that along with what we found works with our users, we love the idea of building a funnel with webinars to be able to serve your customers. So the funnel that we like to use or like to recommend to our customers, especially when they get started is to run what we call an on-demand or watch now webinar, which is basically an Mm opt-in. They create an opt-in they watch a short video explaining the opt-in and we have automatic handouts that you can send, like a timed handout that you can download as an attendee. And we just encourage people just to shoot a quick five minute video explaining that handout. So it's a little bit of a bonus opt-in. The whole point of this thing is to do two things. One is easily get somebody on your email list with some great value, whether it's a cheat sheet or a checklist or something that is they can quickly consume. And then you have a call to action at the end of that five-minute video, whereas attend my next live webinar. So that would move to the live webinar part. And we make it very clear that you should actually talk about your live webinar as a demo. There's a big difference between saying like, I would love to give you a demo of my course or my training or my product. People that sign up for demos are buyers versus somebody who's signing up for some free training. You have to be very careful when you say the word free because Mm -hmm. it attracts people that don't want to invest and attracts people that don't want to put their money where their mouth is. There's a big difference between somebody who's saying, hey, I want to learn a little bit more so I can invest. So a demo is a good way to put it. And then you run a live webinar where you give great value. And really that webinar is just, hey, this is what I've done for my clients. Here are some of the strategies that I share with them. This is how you can implement them. 
And then we do a little training for our members. And one of the favorite things about live webinar training that we share is the transition between workshop and sales. And one of the things that we teach them is that on that live webinar, you don't have to be like some salesman, Wolf of Wall Street person. You just simply have to say one sentence. (laughs) And that one sentence is, is like, hey, I just taught you XYZ. And XYZ is the title of the webinar. It just taught you how to spend your first two days on a snowboard without breaking any bones. Would you like to learn how to implement what you just learned with far greater ease? And that's really what your course is, that your training or coaching is. You can take what I just taught you and go with it. Or you can go the easy way with accountability and guidance with step-by-step coaching. And most people are like, I want the easy way. I don't want the hard way. So that transition into a paid live course. And we have a type of webinar called series webinar where you can actually just create it. They can pay for it right there. We have a Stripe integration. So their whole coaching funnel was all done via webinar. And they can just go ahead and sign up for that live series where they attend the number of series that you'd like to kind of host for them. And we love this idea of making it live. We've seen people just only have a replay for a week and then it goes away to encourage people to implement. And some people don't do replay at all. Actually, one of our users have found really good success, even with the sales live webinar, where they say, hey, people love the workshop and like, this is wonderful. And they only offer the replay to those who buy the offer. So it's like, you want the replay to review what you just did so you can implement, you can go ahead and get it when you buy. But if you don't, you don't get it. And I find that really interesting as a strategy. Mm. So is that, that on top is of the course of... that they're creating or is the, yes. the re- yeah. Okay, cool. So it's like, if you want to review what we just learned yeah. so you can implement with our course, it's a good way to do it. So mm. we found our users have really loved this kind of funnel where it's like, get my leads, convert them to customers and then deliver on my product with a live or recorded webinar but we found that the live one really works really well because it gets people engaged. It makes connections. It gets people to help each other out. And it's just a lot of fun. And you can bring people on camera and talk to them. So it's been an interesting evolution throughout the years. That's so insightful. I really love that as well, because opt-ins themselves, I think there's a trend towards people just paying a small amount. Because as you said, if people always expect it free, you just get a whole bunch of freeloaders has been my experience over time, even though some of them turn into amazing clients. All you're doing is teaching more free, more free, more free. And I really love how some people are starting to charge for their opt-ins or the tiny offers just because it gets people to put their money Mm -hmm. where their mouth is. And they're already then, as you said, interested in investing more. But I also love the idea of just having a small video to talk people through your freebie, your template, your checklist, whatever it may be. And that makes total sense for like my one page profitable biz plan, which is a really great template, but I have a video on it and it would be so easy to have that as part of the make that opt-in even more valuable. And then I love the idea of inviting them along to a free training that makes sense off the back of that. How do people navigate a free training that's ongoing? So would they continue to set dates and run it live once a month? So if somebody opted in and let's say June 20th and the training wasn't until the first, they'd see the next available one? Yeah. So what we encourage our users to do is you can just create a pretty link on your website and just have that forward to your next live webinar. And that way you never have to change the links in your offers mm-hmm. in your webinar. You can just go ahead in your website and change it on the back end and just forward it to the new live webinar. We encourage people to do like first do one a month. And then if that's getting kind of filled, then go ahead and do twice a month. We have people to do it once a week even. And it's just interesting because depending on your industry, like we have like accountants and lawyers and dentists that do training and things like that. And they want to keep their room small because they Mm want to put people on hot seats and have them 
present or share their screen and walk through like, you know, their services. Hey, let me coach you how to improve your dentistry service. Depending on how big you want your webinars to be, the frequency will matter. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I also read with your latest update, 6.0, which is very exciting to see how many iterations you've been through. It's crazy. Yeah. And we could talk about that, I'm sure. That you're also including the ability to do virtual summits now, which I would love for you to share a little bit on because I have a virtual summit coming up. So, you know, be a really awesome option to use. And also why you have included that, because that's quite rare and unique, innovative for a webinar platform. So I love it. I like to eat my own dog food first. We love to kind of experiment and see if this will work in the real world before we present it to users. And one of the things that we've done is smaller live challenges. And you were talking about a paid opt-in. And we see this as a paid opt-in where we'll offer a $37 challenge, three mm-hmm. sessions. It's kind of like a mini summit, but it's three sessions or like a three-day course. And it teaches a concept that people need. I think the next one we have is about this whole funnel I just explained. And each day they actually build as we go along on the live session. It's 37 bucks. And then obviously at the end of the thing, we'll say, hey, if you want to be able to implement all this, you can start a free trial with Webinar Ninja and then we promote our product. But we've also seen people use the series as a way to do like constant content. So one Mm. of our users like Active Campaign. They do it to do like regular content where they bring on a guest and sort of like a talk show where they have like twice a month, they bring on an expert and they have a series and all you do is register once and you're registered to the series and you get emails and you get all the notifications and the reminders and the access links automatically. We decided to do this because we noticed that our users feel like they want to be able to plan ahead and they want to be able to offer something a little bit bigger than just one session. And it makes total sense. A lot of what people teach and coach can't get covered in one hour, even two hours. That's why we decided to do the series type webinar. And one of the things that we thought was interesting because we're kind of looking into the future a little bit is we also added the feature to mix and match recorded with live. So you can run a session that's live and then your next session could be recorded. Next one could be live. And that way you can maybe supplement it with like, hey, Tomorrow, I'm going to send you a video that can really help you implement what we just taught. Here it is. And it's a good way for you to kind of create an ongoing kind of course feeling. This is something that we're moving towards because we really want to allow people to offer the products and services. Because at the beginning, Webinar Engine is really about promoting your products, growing your list, being a marketing tool. But now it's really evolved to being a way for you to deliver your products and services, to deliver your training and your coaching through webinars. That's really cool. I'm totally excited to check it out. And also just that you've kind of really listened and seen what's working for people and innovated and pivoted, dare I say that word, in the tech industry. But you're trying stuff. Like you're not afraid to do that, which I'm sure when you've put so much effort and investment into software to make those mm. big leaps is is a pretty scary thing. So I really take my hat off to you because I know from my days way back in 2008, 2009, how one tiny change could take months, if not half a year to freaking implement. And I was always like, why is this taking long? It's a line of code. And they're like, no, it's a fundamental shift in the platform. It was so interesting for me more as a marketer to be able to step into the world of the developers and go, oh, okay, I get it. It's not just a small little update to have the screen change or this mm-hmm. thing change. So I do have a lot of time and energy and appreciation for any updates in software and how it seems so effortless on the outside, but it's really not. Yeah. And it makes you think twice and thrice 
do I really <laughs> want to do this feature? Cause it's going to take a while. And it's one of those like opportunity cost situations. Just like if they're going to work on this, they're not going to work on anything else. So I got to make sure that this is the thing that's going to move the needle, help my customers. Yeah, definitely. I have one more cheeky question to throw in just cause oh, you're talking about it. these live series and live courses, which I love. Cause I know with myself, my completion rate for students through my live courses is way higher than industry standard because there's that accountability baked in. There's the regular coaching calls and there's the releasing of pre-recorded modules so that they can't just do it all at once and or maybe never do it at all. But thinking about the series, which I really like, that could also blend pretty nicely into having a membership, right? Where you bring in experts each month or you're teaching a new training each month. Are you seeing some people use that for their memberships? Yeah, totally. Like we see people using it as a part of their offering. So they use like the series type of webinar as a kind of a bonus where they say, hey, we're going to bring on an expert each month where they're going to teach you a concept. One of the examples that come to mind is we have a lot of different kind of users. So there's these very unique users. He's a financial expert. He does a lot of like finance and stock market type of stuff. And in their world, they have their superstars. They have their Gary Vaynerchuks. You never heard of these people, but in their world, they're mm. famous people. And we were chatting one time on a webinar and he was like, I got so-and-so. I'm like, I don't even know who this, who is this person? Like, Are you kidding me? Google him. He's incredible. Right? So <laughs> they use the series webinar to bring on experts to add a little value to the membership because we can't be experts at everything. We have to bring on people that are really good at certain aspects of our business. Yeah. Perfect. I love that so much. We could talk for ages, but I'm also really well aware that we've already packed a lot into this episode. So I would love for people to know where they can find out more about you. I obviously will put that all in the links and we have a webinar coming up, which is pretty exciting. So I'll share that. But first of all, just where's a great place for people to reach out and thank you for your time and energy and learn more about what you're doing. Not going to make people happy, but I'm not very good at social. When I say not very good, (laughs) meaning that I try to keep my distance. I'm very conscious of how it affects me my mental health. I don't want to go on this rant about social media, but the one platform that I'm probably most frequent is, is Twitter. So I'm at the Omar Zinhom on Twitter. And I just find it a little less stimulating than all the other platforms. I love that actually. I think it's smart. Your focus is on the software and growing the company and helping people solve their problems, not on being distracted with social. Yeah. I just can't keep up either. Now there's Clubhouse and all this other stuff. For me, it just I only have 24 hours in a day. I'm like, I don't know if I want to spend it that way. Maybe I want to spend it reading a book rather, which I think books are like, you just launched an amazing book. And I think they're incredible value pieces. Like the, the amount of value you get from a $10, $20 book is incredible. Like I can't rave enough about books. I know, um, right? So much goes into them. People pick them up for a steal. I know. <sighs> it's really, I think one of the best gifts you can do. One day I would love to write a book like you've run, you've written several and it's just a great thing to leave to the world, you know, mm-hmm. whether you continue to do what you're doing today or 20 years from now you pivot or change. That was a great moment in your time and in your life and your history. And you shared that knowledge with people and it's there for everybody to take. And I just love that. So congrats to you for your success as well. Thank you. Uh, WebinarNinja.com is where you can learn more about how do you want to run a webinar. We have free courses there. We have great blog posts and guides. And of course, you can attend one of our webinars by just joining our mailing list and uh, you'll just see it in action and also see me. I still run all the webinars myself because I like to keep a pulse on the customers that we're serving. And because you're damn good at it. And so (laughs) definitely come along to our one, which would be really cool. I'll drop that in the link and I'll share it too. Thank you so much for your time. It's been such a pleasure. And I also just loved hearing that you once were in the fashion industry. It was just like a really cool (laughs) insight into Omar that I never would have known. 
Yeah, totally. Sometimes I like to go back and reminisce and then I realize, oh man, I was way over my head. <laughs> I was in the wrong industry. <laughs> it was lovely speaking stylish. to you. Thank you. It was lovely speaking to you, Natalie. We should never wait so long to reconnect again. I agree entirely. Thank you. So I really hope you enjoyed that interview with Omar and that you are excited about now the possibility of using webinars for yourself and maybe even the possibility of creating a tech company or building out software as one of your potential options to get paid to be you in the future. What I did want to say is that if you want to try out Webinar Ninja, please head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash Webinar Ninja. That's N-I-N-J-A. That is my affiliate link. And it just means that if you do sign up for it, I can show you some more love. I can make sure you're taken care of and I can see how you're going with using the software. You'll be seeing me using it a lot more. I'm definitely really, really keen to test it out for my upcoming virtual summit and also just use some of its awesome functionality that is not available on Zoom or some of the other webinar platforms that I've been privy to using in the past. So again, head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash webinar ninja to find out more about this awesome software and give some love to Omar and Nicole and just shout out and thank them for all their time and efforts in creating this amazing business and for Omar for just letting rip on what it's really like to get paid to be you and do that through building a technology company. Thanks so much for listening and make sure that you tap into your potential this week and have an amazing one. 